Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. gospel reading this morning is from the gospel of Mark, the first chapter. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he came he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Well, folks, a long time ago, 
in the town that's now ruined across the Tigris River from Mosul in northern Iraq, where Isis would one day rule for a few years, the ancestors of Isis were enjoying a time of prosperity. But the town also had a wicked reputation, like their modern descendants, the people of Nineveh, were known in the 8th century before Christ throughout the Middle East for their cruelty. Their armies who loved to slaughter all they defeated, and in particular, they were known for being enemies of Israel. And so one day, a Jewish man walked alone into this city, for God had called him to a mission. He began to preach loudly, and to anyone who would listen, that God was done with Nineveh that in 40 days God would destroy the city because of the wickedness of the people. This Jewish man who walked into the stronghold of the most wicked people in the Middle East, the people who were known for their hatred of all Jews, was known as Jonah, the son of Amittai. Amittai means truth in Hebrew. Jonah wasn't a particularly brave man. In fact, when God's call to go preach in Nineveh first came to Jonah, the man immediately went down to the coast and hopped on a boat to take him from Israel to Spain. He tried to escape the call of God. And as we all know, this escape from God was not successful. A storm came up and threatened to sink the boat. The men drew lots and they decided that Jonah was the culprit. And then after Jonah repeatedly begged them to throw him in the water, they threw Jonah into the sea where a huge fish swallowed Jonah and he lived in the fish for three days before being vomited up onto the land after an extensive prayer and a promise to praise God to people. So Jonah walked the long walk to Nineveh and began to preach and his preaching was very effective. He was a very effective preacher. A fast was proclaimed by the king of Nineveh and everyone put on sackcloth in the hope that God would see their repentance and change God's mind. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The people had changed and they had turned to God. They heard about God and the knowledge of God changed them. And so the 120,000 people in Nineveh, they lived. The story of Jonah shows us how a single person using the words of God can change a huge city. Jonah didn't need an army. He didn't need weapons of steel. He didn't need to physically harm a single person. Jonah, the son of truth, simply needed to speak the message of God, the words of truth, to the people of Nineveh. You may say, you know, the people, but people today, they don't believe in God and they won't listen. Well, the people of Nineveh hated all things Jewish. They didn't see, they weren't believers in Yahweh, the Jewish God, but God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, sent remorse and guilt and fear to the Ninevites, partially because the Ninevites knew that they had done shameful things. And about a hundred years later, Nineveh was the world's largest city and very prosperous. It was the largest city in the world 
because they had listened to Jonah's message. And you know, Jonah's real historical visit had a lasting impact. The people of Nineveh and later Mosul remembered Jonah. You see, there's two large mounds near the ruins of Nineveh, and one of them is named Nabi Yunus, the hill of Jonah. There was a mosque which had been built over a shrine to Jonah, and this shrine was considered to contain Jonah's tomb. This is a picture of it around 2013. In 2014, ISIS blew up the mosque and destroyed it. After Mosul was taken back from ISIS in 2017, some excavations were done in an ancient Assyrian palace from just after the 8th century BC, just after Jonah was discovered under the ruins of the mosque. Excavations continue. Change happened, and the people of Nineveh were saved. A great change came through the actions of one person, Jonah, who did what God asked. What might happen through your actions if you let God work through you? 800 years after Jonah, John the Baptist was at the height of his fame. It was the latter years of the 20s, 28, 25, 26 AD, or thereabout, maybe a little later. John taught that people needed to rethink their relationship with God. He taught that people needed to have their sins washed away by repenting and being baptized. He taught that too many of the religious people were like empty tombs looking nice on the outside but full of death and decay on the inside. They had the form of religion, but they had none of the power and the goodness of true worshipers of God. They were just going through the motions. They were repeating what they had heard, and they were focused upon telling people what to do rather than doing things themselves. He began to preach against King Herod because Herod had married a sister-in-law. And so Herod had John arrested and put into prison. But it was then that Jesus of Nazareth, who had recently been baptized by John, he walked out of the desert wilderness where he had been fasting and having a great debate with Satan. Jesus walked into Galilee, the land north and west of the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful fertile land of farms and orchards. And there he began to proclaim the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He declared that times were changing. It was a time for change. Like Jonah, Jesus didn't have any armies. Jesus didn't have any weapons of steel. What, Jonah, what Jesus did have was the wisdom of God and the words of God. In fact, his disciple John later wrote that Jesus was the very word of God walking upon the earth. John tells us that the word of God created everything that was created. And it's to that time when Jesus walked in Galilee that we can date the greatest changes in history. For Jesus spoke again and the world began to change. It was recreated. He walked beside the lake, Andrew and Simon, the man Jesus nicknamed Peter the Rock, they were casting a net 
into the lake because fishing was their business. That was the important thing in their life. That's what they were focused upon. And Jesus called them using the very words of God, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, he said. Now they'd met Jesus and talked with him shortly after his baptism by John, down on the Jordan Riverside. John had pointed out Jesus as the Lamb of God, one who would be offered as a great sacrifice for the world. The brothers had spent an afternoon talking with Jesus and decided that he was the Messiah, the great Savior predicted by the prophets. And so when Jesus called them, they knew that times were changing. And fish, fish just weren't that important anymore. So they left their nets and followed Jesus. And a little farther along, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also in a fishing boat preparing their nets. And he called them. And John had previously been with John the Baptist and met Jesus the same afternoon as Andrew and Peter. So they also left the boat, leaving their father and his hired men behind. And they followed Jesus, for they also sensed great things were brewing and fish just weren't all that important. When we see changes coming, we need to react. When the forecast is for heavy snows, we're mostly smart enough to bring in the sensitive plants on the porch and go to the grocery store to make sure we've got that bread and milk and eggs. We take action, don't we? Did you forget to take action? Did you forget the milk? Okay. And you know when the forecast is for strong winds, we mostly make sure that there's nothing outside that's going to get blown away. And when we hear that sunny, warm days are expected, we can make sure that we're ready to go outside and enjoy that sunshine and warmth, either to work or have a cookout or a picnic. But the important thing is this. When we sense a change coming, we plan to change our lives to prepare for that change. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth years later about changes he saw coming. He said, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. For this world in its present form is passing away. Paul was saying that things will never be the same. The world is changing. So don't live your life as though things will always be the same. So how does this apply to us today? In the last few years, we've seen that great changes have been happening in the world around us. The COVID virus came out of China and very quickly our world changed. A comparison of the number of people dying every year in America before and after COVID arrived, we see over a million extra people died from all causes over the last four years and compared to the years before COVID. Many were probably from COVID and many were from other reasons, but the end result is the same. More than a million people died in those four years than were expected to die if we just predicted no changes. And that's just in the United States. And in many, many of those people, well, many or most died without Christ. And just as we got a handle on COVID, Russia invaded the Ukraine. There was not much direct effect on us. But if you lived in Ukraine, there were many changes, and many people died without Christ. Between COVID and the Russia, 
Ukrainian war, we've ended up with rampaging inflation. Prices are going up rapidly. But there's also many jobs available for anyone who wants a job and is willing to work. We're not all struggling to find jobs. Changes keep happening. Oil prices have hit new highs and new lows, and they're up and down every month. And soon the Chinese Air Force began to intimidate Taiwan, threatening an invasion at any time. And our commanders in the Pacific say that they, they do expect a real invasion within three years, an invasion that will put our troops at war with China. And there'll be many people who die without Christ. And then... In October, Hamas attacked Israel, and Israel fought back. And now groups who are sympathetic to Hamas have started attacking American bases and American ships, and we've started firing back, and many people have died without Christ. And of course, besides all of these external threats, it's time for another American presidential election, which, of course... We will be told, as we're told, in every election since Jefferson, as seen by that newspaper clipping, this is the most important election ever. Every day, people around us are dying. They're dying from cancer, from heart disease, from stroke. They pass on with pneumonia, with COVID, with the flu. They die in car wrecks and from overdoses, from shootings and suicides. Some die quickly and others die very slowly. Many die without Christ. The time is short for each of them. And the time is short for each of us. After all, how long will you live? Do you really know? And so the question becomes, with the changes in our lives, how should we then live during the remaining time we have? For when we see changes, we cannot live the same way today and tomorrow as we lived yesterday. For all around us, people are dying without Christ. The people of Nineveh suddenly recognized that God was aware of their daily actions, and so they repented and changed to avoid God's wrath. And the fishermen on Galilee recognized that Jesus was telling them that things were changing. And so they decided to join Jesus and follow Jesus in his mission to tell people of God's love. The fish weren't important anymore. What was important was telling people what Jesus was asking them to tell. And the people of Corinth, they understood that things were changing around them, and so they listened to Paul, and they began to live for God rather than the world, for they recognized that the world in its present form is passing away. They told people about Christ. And then about 20 years ago, Sandra and I were in the depth of the ink business that we owned. It was what we breathed and talked and thought about every day, every morning, every evening. But over that decade, the decade between 2010 and 2020, well, actually the previous decade, between 2000 and 2010, things changed. We began to recognize how many people were dying without Christ. And you know, the ink just wasn't as important anymore. And so I suggest that each of us look at our lives. Are you living for yourself or are you living for God? 
Is what was important in your life important? Or is there something new that's important in your life because of the changes? Are you working for a living? If so, the New Testament tells us to work as though for the Lord. Be the very best you can at your work. Be a model employer or a model employee. And when anyone asks you why you're so good at your job, tell them that Christians are supposed to work for the Lord. And while you're working, take time to learn everything you can about following Jesus. You may have to work. If so, take time to learn about Jesus. Part of that is becoming so nice, so understanding, listening so well and being so good that other people just want to be around you. They want to be on your team. And that gives you the opportunity to share your love of God with them, to tell them what it means to be forgiven by God, and to show them goodness while staying humble yourself Indeed, while becoming even more humble because you know how far it is between you and Christ. Follow Jesus while doing the best job you can do and sing the praises of Christ every day. Are you raising children? If so, pray daily. You'll need it. Speak with the older adults in the church for ideas because we've all been through it. And always remember that while a great athlete may gain a scholarship for a few years, a great Christian will have eternal life. Help those children become great Christians who will sing the praises of Christ. Are you retired? Do you need to work for a living? Maybe you don't. Do you have enough money to live? If so, then you have a choice. You can choose to rest and play, or you can choose each day to sing the praises of Christ to everyone you meet. Which choice do you think Jesus would ask of you? Which choice is more in line with God's will? Now everyone needs rest now and again. Everyone needs to play and explore and learn and do relaxing things. The trick is to gradually adjust our lives so that more and more of what we do is helping God's mission of finding people in the world, becoming friends with them, helping them understand their need for God in their lives and leading them to also sing the praises of Christ. For Andrew and Peter, James and John, it looks like their choice happened in a period of minutes. But that's not exactly true. For these men had been looking to God, trying to learn about God for months and years as they grew close to John the Baptist and followed him. They had met Jesus at the Jordan River a couple of months earlier. And so they'd been thinking about what they needed to learn for a while when Jesus came along and told them, follow me. And then they became disciples for three years of intensive training with Jesus before they headed out on their own as apostles. Those who proclaim, those who sing the praises of Christ, that's who they became. Look at your own life. Have you been learning about Jesus for years in your church? You've been, you've been acting partially as disciples. You've been learning, but now with the changes in the world... It may be time for you to transition to becoming apostles and sing the praises of Christ to everyone that you can meet. Forget your preconceived notions of what apostles are. I know you don't like wearing robes. 
Simply put, a modern apostle is someone who's focused upon finding people, becoming friends with them, helping them to understand their need for God, and leading them to also sing the praises of Christ. It's something that you can do when you're shopping. I have a friend who meets people in the greeting card aisle at Walmart. She introduces herself to people and starts talking with them and finds out about their life and eventually she starts talking about God. It's something you can do when you're eating out. Sandra and I like to meet the servers at restaurants and it's something you can do while working on a job. I have a friend who talks about Jesus as he builds homes and fireplaces. He's a mason. That same friend has men over to his workshop and he talks about Jesus with them. You can do artwork. You can create fabric creations. You can simply remind people that God loves them and you can praise God in the checkout line. You can make phone calls to long lost friends. You can give advice to young mothers and fathers. You can teach young people and you can post on Facebook. You can forward our newsletters and sermons to friends. The important thing is this, are you living for yourself like everyone starts out? Or is your life a life lived as a follower of Jesus, living for God's mission of fixing and repairing this planet, the planet we broke? Are you singing the praises of Christ to everyone you meet? This year, with all the political discussions that are beginning to happen, Every time politics comes up, ask yourself this, will my comments bring glory to God in Christ? Will what I say attract people to Jesus or push them away? Will my words give positive change, bringing the world toward peace? Or will my words create more division and anger, more hatred and discord? There's a lot of that out there. We're called to be different. You may remember the first lines of this poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It's called The Arrow and the Song. I shot an arrow into the air. I fell to earth I knew not where. For so swiftly it flew, the sight could not follow it in its flight. I breathed a song into the air. It fell to earth I knew not where. For who has sight so keen and strong that it can follow the flight of song? Long, long afterward, in an oak, I found the arrow, still unbroke, and the song from beginning to end I found again in the heart of a friend. Your words of Christ, spoken or sung to someone as a song of love, will one day come back to you in the mouth of a Christian friend. Help us to fill the world with the sound of Christ being praised. Let us sing a song of praise to Christ every day. Change is coming. And now is the time to change your life to live for Jesus. Pray for God to change you as we sing this song. You may want to come to the altar or you may want to pray at your seat.
Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.